0: In general, what was marshalling like when you were? I'll give you some my recollection of probably the 40s. Uh, the town itself is about like it is today. Things were busy because of the Second World War. Uh, we had theater for entertainment, uh, several drug stores, Reese's for the young folks to hang out. Mrs. Foley's place, which was at the northeast part of town. She had a filling station, a place for the young folks to go play the duke box and dance and have the cokes. Uh, Many older businesses, like one, the creamery that hired several people that uh, bought uh, milk and cream locally. made butter and pasteurized milk for town delivery. Uh, and there was all the pumping stations, Standard Oil and Sinclair hired, had uh, many employees and of course the railroad that was during the steam engine days. And, uh, coal mines that surrounded this city of Marceline. But my recollection as a lad, I got acquainted with my neighbors when I was a young man. We burnt coal mostly to heat our homes, and you could get a job to your neighbors carrying in buckets of coal of a morning or of an evening, splitting their kindling, and carrying out their ashes, mostly for the older, retired folks. And I was lucky, I lived in a neighborhood with many retired people, and was able to make ten fifteen cents a week from each person by carrying in their buckets of coal and uh, the theater uptown theater they employed mostly young folks and uh, like myself I started working for them when I was ten years of age we delivered uh, the coming attraction bills about three times a week door-to-door and uh, we would count out these uh, flyers and stamp them with the Uptown Theater and then we'd uh, deliver them to each home in the four wards. And uh, then worked as an usher, popcorn, and then worked about four years up in the booth uh, showing the movies. And those days our movies would start about two o'clock in the afternoon and run continuous till about Ten and eleven at night, and uh, on Saturday night we'd run the Sunday uh, movie uh, as a midnight show. Once in a while, I have a special, like at Halloween or some other special event. But theater was a real busy place because that was about the only form of entertainment in town, and particularly on Saturday when they had the the western, they'd have a double feature—a western and some other movie—and a lot of the folks from the rural community would come in town and do their their trading, and uh, they'd all come to the theater. And at one time, Marceline supported two theaters. They had the uh, Uptown Theater, where it's at now, and then they had the Chief Theater, and it's down where the dentist office is now. And they had poultry houses, and uh, then uh, went to work for the Creamery, which was owned by the McAllister brothers, and uh, we had these early morning milk routes to pick up milk from the local farmers and bring it in, and and, uh, we'd pasture steam then to heat the milk to uh, pasteurize it, and then we'd chip ice and cool it down and then bottle it, and then there'd be a gentleman to deliver the milk the next morning and we'd buy cream from the farmers around the surrounding community and and about twice a week why we would churn and pasteurize this cream and then churn it into butter and then after the butter was made why we would take this butter out of the large vat and put it into square boxes and uh, pack it in there real tight and we'd put it in the cooler and then after it cooled down after a couple days why well, we'd take it to the butter cutting room and and had a mechanism by a hand jack you'd jack this big box of butter up through some wires and then you'd take a, a another wire and pull it through that made your little quarter pound squares and this butter was all wrapped by hand and boxed And uh, McAllister sold ice cream they, years ago, used to make ice cream, and then they closed that part out and they'd go to Columbia once or twice a week and buy a truckload of ice cream. And uh, then they also had a bottling plant, which they bottled uh, uh, different uh, flavors of uh, soda pop, which was pretty popular. And our business is uptown, as I say, the Main Street is pretty much the same, other than there was, oh, numerous grocery stores on Main Street, Meat Market, uh, Doc Drennan had his uh, drugstore, and Lomar, and, and uh, those were good hangouts. They had the soda fountains, and of course, Reese's, that was a confectionary, and had wonderful sandwiches, and, and uh, the different things that they could do with ice cream, which was real, real popular place. The uh, railroad, of course, had steam engines, and as a young man, when I'd get off work at the theater, I'd go with the beanery, which was next to the depot, and steam engines would come in and stop, and they'd service their engines, and the men would come up from the roundhouse, and they'd hook up to the air tanks. And, and they had uh, to grease these engines with these air, air operated grease guns and, and the uh, fireman and he'd take on water through the big crane there, they'd fill the tanks up to put water on passenger trains. is uh, What stopped up at the depot, both ends of the platform, they had a, a service area for these uh, steam engines any of the city officials in particular? Uh, well, you yeah, know, B.J. Thomas was a mayor, uh, that's before they had the city manager form the government, and he run a cleaning establishment there on Main Street about, I think, where uh, well, it was about three doors south of where uh, Zerker jewelry store was on the corner, and uh, there was a Mr. Knoll, uh, that he wasn't a city official, but he was a street sweeper, and that's before they blacktopped over the brick. This main street was brick and some of the side streets, and Mr. Nall would start in Oh, generally around midnight, 11 o'clock, when I'd get out of the show from work, well, I'd see Mr. Nall with his big broom, and, and he swept the street every night. And uh, Rich Freeman, he was our day marshal, and Raleigh Rusher, he was our, our night policeman. And uh, then one other person that really brings a recollection to me, uh, his name is Glenn Fox. He was superintendent of the light and water department and uh, a real fine gentleman, and uh, he run that operation. And in uh, 1947, I think when Harold Payden became mayor, they floated a bond issue, I think, of around 70-some thousand dollars and started a street program. And uh, that was another place of employment, was the city. because uh, Most of the work was done by by uh, by hand, manual labor, and when they started this street program, the uh, first thing they had to do was to uh, they they hired a surveyor to survey the streets to see about proper drainage, and uh, to put in culverts and tin horns, and uh, that was another job I was able to obtain. Uh, Mr. Fox uh, hired me and another fellow to run the chain for this surveyor, and then later on while well, we worked on the crews that would uh, dig these ditches uh, to lay the ten horns for drainage, and of a morning, early of the morning, why well, the men that wanted to work or need a job, they'd show up up at the light plant, and uh, this was in the summertime, and the, they had the water department and the light department and then this street department and uh, the uh, foremans they'd come out and pick the men they wanted to pick that day for whatever job it might be and the only machinery we had as far as working on the, the streets it was a little Ford tractor and then we had an old truck that had a winch on it and then the city either rented or bought a an air compressor with a jackhammer. And the rest of it was all done by, by shovels and spades. And uh, the boss, he'd lay out where the tin horn was to be laid in the street. And it was dug by hand and the tin horn laid in. And uh, some of us, you know, we just had various jobs. And that's, that's the way that operated until Later on, when most, and then the, well, the township and the city together, they had a road grader and a dump truck, why, so they graded the roads. And then later on, they hired a, a crew to come in and spray the oil and put the chad on. So that was probably one of the first big projects as far as the streets were concerned. That happened in 47, and, uh, but as far as the other city officials, I really uh, don't have too much recollection, only like I say of Mr. Fox. He was uh, one fine gentleman, and uh, the light plant by—they had the water department, and then they had the uh, diesel engines. at. Generated electricity. They had men to watch those, and then at one time they had a big steam boiler there that they generated steam and sold steam to the uh, Santa Fe to heat the depot, and that that entailed uh, quite an employment uh, too, as compared to uh, the way things are done today. We've talked a little bit about the jobs you've had. What did you do for fun? Well, our entertainment, as uh, said earlier, we had Mrs. Foley's place to go to and in town here, and Mrs. Reese's in the drug stores, but in school, uh, when I went through school, there was actually only about two sports until towards the last part of my school years, and that was uh, football and basketball. And... Uh, Then they had, uh, like, town teams, uh, baseball. Uh, The Lions Club was instrumental in uh, building some of the ball diamonds. And uh, in my own personal recollection, in high school, uh, we had our own team, which wasn't sponsored by by school. We called ourselves the White Shirts. And uh, it was mostly just a group uh, of the, The lads, most of them, lived in the country, which I hadn't lived in town, and then they were the Johnson boys. They lived at the edge of town. And We just played ball with anybody that wanted to play ball, and part of the time we would be at a field south of town, uh, just out in a pasture, and then when uh, they built our airport there in the late 40s, and they... Don't know if it was american legion or the lions i think think it was the legion built a field out there so actually that was the, the sport you know people some people had cars as i grew up not all of us had access to transportation but uh, those that did have cars and if you wanted to go to a ball game why well, you just fill the car up with whoever come along and, and away you went and uh, And another popular place was uh, Country Club. Uh, of course, the, the lake is still there and there used to be a big clubhouse there where they could have dances upstairs. Uh, Mr. Beatty, he was the caretaker, I guess, of the place. And uh, you could buy a share in the Country Club. I, th- I, th- I think it cost like $25 to join and about $12 a year for dues. but. Uh, that was a real popular place to go to to swim and they had uh, the tennis courts and exercise bars and the playground equipment and the, the roquet not croquet but roquet place and a lot of the elderly gentlemen uh, played roquet which was a pretty serious game with uh, with them gentlemen and uh, the uh, McAllister's Pond. that was in the northwest part of town. And years ago, I guess they used to, when the water'd freeze. Well, that's where they'd cut the ice and store it for the summer. But anyway, they they allowed us to use that pond ice skate on as kids. And that was uh, one of our winter games. Was to go to McAllister's Pond and uh, and ice skate. Of course, build the fire, you know, and have a good time. And then. If we had a good snow, we'd go to what we call Banyans Hill, which was on the east side of town, with our sleds. And of course then if uh, you know, if any of the marshals wasn't around and, and our vehicle traffic wasn't too great, why we would get on highway five there about the top of the hill there at Chicago Street and boy you could go all the way down at the foot down to about Richie Street there on the the highway at night time you know because there wasn't any hardly any automobiles and unless you know unless uh, one of the marshals come by well then then you had to get go somewhere else uh, but I have to stop you uh, you mentioned football was the rivalry between Marshalling and Brookfield and the Bell game about the same yeah, I'd say probably it is. It was a, it was the last game played in football, after the conference and everything, and yeah, that that rivalry was there, and all in good fun, of course. Uh, of course, as far as the things that's happened here in the, the late days, you know, with some of the vandalisms, I don't think we had as much as that then as there is today. But as far as the rivalry of, the, of that bell, why, yeah, it, it was there back back years ago. And uh, of course, those that did have cars when I was growing up, uh, a group of boys, of course, would go to Brookfield, and same way a few Brookfield lads would come over here, you know, and toot their horns and whatnot. But, uh, uh, and that's about all the, the recollection I have of that. Do you have any recollections of the teachers you had in school? Yeah, uh, <clears throat> we had a, a number of ladies, dedicated ladies, uh, like Neva Lamb, she was an art teacher, and, uh, we had a Belle D. Horn, who was a history teacher, and most of these ladies were, were single, and, uh, we had a Mrs. McNish, uh, she wasn't, uh, I don't know where she had taught before she came to the marshaling school. She was here two or three years, but she was a fine lady, and I really can't remember without looking in a yearbook what she taught. And uh, of course we had Coral Riley Payden. She was her English teacher, and Mr. Hildedick, he was a vocational ag teacher. And uh, Mr. Moore, I don't know his first name. He was our superintendent, math teacher. J.O. Williamson, he was a coach and algebra teacher. And then in later years, he quit coaching, and we had uh, another coach come. And uh, Marceline had, when I was in high school, well, they had a, well, even before, they had a right, right good football team. You know, they generally was up there in the conference. And let's see, oh, I can remember the first school bus that uh, Marceline had. The uh, vocational agriculture boys had a, they had a shop, you know, with the handsaws, the woodworking equipment. And the first bus that Marceline had, they bought an old truck frame with an engine on it. And so they, made it, it looked like a boxcar with windows in it but it was made out of wood but that was the first school bus because uh, they still had the rural schools and uh, most of the people that lived in the country w- went up to about the eighth grade and uh, to the rural school and then they came into Marsh Lane for high school and uh, of course that was a problem of, of how to get from the country into town. And uh, that was one, one thing when they built that bus. Why they had a, a bus route, and uh, one friend of mine, Harold uh, Neighbors. Now he was fortunate; his folks had a car, and him and his sister, I think, they drove into town. So Harold came into school, I think, about the seventh grade, seventh or eighth grade. But uh, I can remember that that old bus that they made. And then, of course, later on, why then, the school was able to purchase buses. And and, uh, then they started doing away with the rural schools and brought them into uh, Mars Lane, which had uh, two lower grade schools, we called it. It was Park School, which it was located where Pringers is now. And they had, uh, see, from the first the sixth grade and then uh, Central School had from the first to the fourth and then the seventh and eighth. Now if you lived on the east side of the tracks you went to Central School the first four years and then you went across the tracks for your fifth and sixth grade at Park School and then those in Park School when you got out of sixth grade they went over to Central School to get the seventh and eighth grade. And then of course, then everybody went to the high school. What were some of the special events like on the Fourth of July? Yeah, well, now the Fourth of July is about like it is today. It was, I mean, that thing it really drew the people in from all over. Of course, we had carnival, you know, just like today. The some of the rides weren't quite as elaborate, but uh, and generally they was politicians there to politic and uh, of course it was around Ripley Park. Oh and one thing about it uh, I can remember now in school you know when the war started why we had these uh, scrap iron drives and they'd let us out of school and they formed uh, groups you know and we'd just go door to door uh, through the neighborhoods uh, picking up any kind of pieces of iron, tin, or whatever. Well, our Ripley Park had, I think, like three old Civil War cannons and uh, I guess the city fathers decided they should go to the scrap heap too, so anyway we did at one time have some cannons but uh, they're gone now. So they they went to help win the Second War and that uh, you know, was just part of the park, but no, that's For special events, that Fourth of July. Now that was uh, that was one big day. And another, a while ago, I was talking about the Country Club. Now once a year, they had a well, they just called it a big picnic, and all the members would come, and they furnished, you know, the ice cream and the pop and the watermelon or whatever, you know, and that was quite a thing you know, to be able to go to this big stock tank and just get you a bottle of pop as many as you wanted and eat as much ice cream as you wanted, you know, and and, uh, without having to pay for it. You know, back in the the days there when, you know, you wanted to go uptown to buy something, uh, you know, you had to have money. Well, money just didn't grow on trees and our folks just didn't have you know, any money really to to give a person. So, and that's the reason I've, I've worked uh, for whatever could you know, mow yards in the summertime with the old reel mower to make 10, 15 cents and, uh, or carry in coal. And then, of course, as you got older, you know, going through high school and you had time, like I say, the theater generally hired people, you know, those ushers and ticket takers, popcorn, creamery, and, and uh, Doc Drennan and lomars they always hired uh, a few high school people, and that's how you made your money to be able to afford to court a girl or, if you happened to be lucky enough to own a car, you know, to buy a little gasoline. And that's one thing about Lane Back in its earlier day, there was always opportunity if a person wanted to work to make a nickel. well, uh, generally, there was a job someplace. Maybe it always wasn't the most pleasant of a job and the pay real great, but just like grocery stores. Heavens, they always hired people to sack groceries and they delivered groceries, and, you know, and put up the stock. And, and, uh, and really, you know, looking back over things, uh, we had a lot of opportunities, I say, in those days that perhaps uh, some of the younger generation doesn't have today. And of course everybody with their own ideas but I think sometimes it's not a bad idea for a, a young man or a young lady to maybe go out and work a little bit uh, uh, see where some of this well money comes from you know and uh, but the thing is about businesses today they're uh, so much better organized and all and then there just isn't the employment opportunities as they were then as far as the, the uh, I call it the manual labor, just like the, the creamery work. That was interesting. Uh, it's mostly manual labor. When you talk about uh, uh, processing the milk, mostly what you done, you, you washed cream cans and steamed them and you was wet, you know, and, and uh, in the bottling plant, why you had to fish all the straws and the cigarette butts and everything else out of them bottles with a little wire and then separate them and run them through the washer. But it, it you know, it paid you a few, 40 cents an hour or whatever. And uh, the city, now, they they done a little better when we was working on those crews, why we was getting like 60, 65 cents an hour, you know. And then there was many carpenters skilled craftsmen in this town that was always, you know, needing hands. Uh, people, you know, when the Depression was over and people got a job then and uh, began to make a little money while well, they started remodeling their homes and building new homes and, and uh, carpenter business in this town has always been good. So there was, to me, there was a lot of opportunities there 40s and the 50s. And From when you was little to now, how has Uptown changed? Uh, my, most of my recollection would be because of fires. Uh, at the north end, where the dentist office at, where the old Chief Theater was at, that was burned out. And then I can remember one cold winter day, Edgar Myers had a clothing store on the ground floor and above was what they call Cater's Hall where they used to have dances. Well, there was a big fire there and now that's where the Home Savings and Loan is located. And uh, then north of there, the uh, Eagles Club had a two-story building next where, well, about where Fadler's at and they had a fire there, and I put that out of business. And then, uh, later on, that corner building where Peyton had his paint store, well, before that, used to be a Kroger store, and down in the basement was where the Marceline Press was located. Well, that corner's burnt out. And, of course, Mr. Keenest, he's beautified that corner with a, I guess you'd call it a little park, and, and his office building. And then uh, over where Doc Drennan, next to him, where that used to be, seemed like they had a fire in there one time. So that that part, yeah, has changed. And uh, one thing I noticed, the city hall, some years ago, they modernized the front of the building, and, and now they've taken that part off and restored the building back to, the way it was some years ago, which I think is pretty neat. And I think Marceline would be pretty proud of, of keeping as many people in the business buildings as, as they have, and, uh, but I think mostly it's just been some of these fires that's uh, changed some of the faces of the, of the buildings. Thank you for answering these questions. I really appreciate you taking time out to talk to me.